Hello, and welcome to System Mastery Horrortoberfest, the podcast where we haunt a dead horse, 1d10 spooky ghosts at a time. My name's Jeff, John's here with me, and this week we'll be discussing a creepily dead white wolf classic, Orpheus. All this month, we'll be keeping the podcast horror-themed to accompany John's annual tradition of reviewing a horror movie a day, all October long. Orpheus isn't exactly creepy, as it turns out, but you can play as ghosts, and I think there may be a class where you wear a sheet over your head. But it is old White Wolf, so that's probably just some edgy Klansman thing. actually legitimately good, isn't it? Uh, well, probably better than, I'd say, any of the other things we've been looking at so far. Yeah. It, it's almost kind of a shame that it's dead. I mean, this is, this is like first generation. I don't really know much about White Wolf. You're going to be the White Wolf guy. Yeah, this was a sort of an odd experiment for White Wolf in that it came sort of late in the uh, the second edition round of things, uh, before the new World of Darkness that they have now. Yeah. Uh, so it was a game that they did sort of as an experimental thing. They had the game Wraith, and that was just like the other games where you play as a vampire or a werewolf or whatever, you were playing as a ghost. So this was sort of the epilogue to the Wraith series. Uh, Wraith originally started... And it had, like every other White Wolf thing, its own doomsday scenario. So Gehenna, or the Apocalypse, or what have you, they were all... All the White Wolf games had some endgame to them where if your DM just decided they were bored, they could say, Alright, Kane wakes up and eats all the vampires. Weird. Couldn't it just be like, hey guys, let's play Dungeons and Dragons instead now? Yeah, I don't know. Part of their mythology was just that no matter what you do, there is always the threat that the world will just end, and it was always one of those things where there was literally nothing you as a PC could do about it. So it's just like rocks fall, everyone dies. Pretty much. I- I've actually heard about Kane the, in the, from the vampire universe, and, and just to preface this, uh, White Wolf has never really been my genre. Nothing against it. Uh, I've played a bunch of Exalted, and other than that, Orpheus represents the first White Wolf book I've read. I, I guess Scion technically is somehow <laughs> under the White Wolf imprint, but I don't even know how. Um, but no, Orpheus is like the first White Wolf book I've really delved into. So all the stuff about how there's apocalypses and what have you mm-hmm. is surprising to me. Uh, this this game play, seems like, it, to me it's weird because I'm viewing it almost entirely through the lens of Exalted. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is just broken Exalted. What's wrong? <laughs> yeah, the... The uh, the Wraith game was, like I said, the you're playing as ghosts, you're in the underworld, and, you know, you might haunt the living occasionally, but really it was, it was very much set in, you're a ghost dealing with other ghosts. And what Orpheus does is it sort of takes place after the apocalypse takes place for Wraith. So what happens is Oblivion has this maelstrom, wipes out pretty much the entire underworld. Every ghost that was there is dead. So it even says in the book, like, any ghost you encounter has only been a ghost for, like, the past maybe couple years. There aren't really any old ghosts around anymore. And so this is the, we aren't going to support Wraith anymore. And they didn't in the New World of Darkness really have Wraith. 
So Orpheus represents the, if you were playing Wraith or interested in it, this is like the sequel slash epilogue to it. Interesting. Okay. So just to get that clear, though, you said Oblivion has an apocalypse. Now, Oblivion must be in Wraith. I guess that's where ghosts lived. Well, they live in the underworld, and it's actually really similar to Exalted's underworld. Okay. You've got uh, your standard underworld where all the dead people are. All right. And then you've got the labyrinth, which they had in there, but that's how you get around from one place to another. Okay. Uh, and then you had Oblivion, which was, if you actually... It's death for ghosts. Oh, if you double died? Yeah, if okay. you died as a ghost, you go to Oblivion, and no one knows what's down there. It's even worse. Oh, yeah. Not even a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Because that's one of the things... I, I I really like this game. I think it was it looked like it was a fun kind of... As balanced as White Wolf games get kind of thing. It's all right. Uh, but it does suffer from a problem I've encountered with previous White Wolf reading, which is that they don't use... It, it feels like any time they're coming up with a new th- term or descriptor, they just grab a word that's similar to other stuff that's already in the book. So I was reading through sentences, and it'd be like, your your shade's nature may be celebrant, but his demeanor could be daredevil while his haunt is poltergeist. And it's like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, White, White Wolf has sort of an issue with, they need to come up with a lexicon for every one of their games. Yeah. And so you start with Vampire, and you're like, okay, this kind of makes sense. And then every time they add a game onto that, you're like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Just say strength. Come on. <laughs> and this game has a lot of things you choose. Uh, just go through character creation in, in the Orpheus universe, because, all right, if you've played White Wolf games, you already know the basics. You have the nine stats. You've got uh, physical, social, and what's mental. It? Mental. Uh, you get set numbers of points in each one because this is old White Wolf, so you yeah, always had one. You have one... to pick what your yeah. specific thing is about. If you're all about your mentals, you get more points to put into mentals, and you pick, you know, one, two, three of which one is your uh, best and middle and least favored. And then those nine statistics or attributes will inform a number of your other things, your sub-attributes, your uh, things like willpower and and stuff like that. This game has you choose, in addition to that, a race, kind of, and a class, kind of. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. White Wolf, and they do this in Exalted as well, with the, the different casts that yeah, you can yeah. get. And, uh, you know, whether it's the type of clan you're in as a vampire, yeah. or what type of werewolf clan you're in, and so on. Yeah. You'll, you'll be, you'll recognize that as classes, but for some reason... White Wolf is really hesitant to call anything a class. I think that's probably going to dive into the whole gamist versus narrativist versus simulationist thing yeah. that you see people arguing over on, like, EN World and stuff. Um, they're, they're terrified <laughs> of using any any word that sounds ruly that might bring someone down <laughs> out of their reverie of gaming. Well, yeah, because class represents sort of what your job is, whereas what they're trying to do is say, oh, well, this is how your character reacts in the world, or what they associate with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, in this game, your class... I'm going to say class. Fuck you, White Wolf. Um, your class boils down to what type of traditional Hollywood ghost you are. So you've got banshees, uh, you've got poltergeists, you've got uh, haunters, you've got... Uh, puppet masters. Puppet masters, and there's at least one more. And the Will-O-Wisp. The Will-O-The-Wisp. Which, and so each one of them basically interacts with the world in, in a, a obvious way. Like a banshee, of course, well, screams at it. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. obvious horror tropes for what a ghost does. So the yeah. banshee is the creepy whispers and yelling and, 
uh, sort of manipulating emotions. Where poltergeists can move stuff around in a room, but they don't necessarily jump inside the stuff. They're just like... Well, they just throw things. Yeah, throw things, flip your chairs upside down, build themselves a body out of chunks of meat, that sort of thing. Uh, the, The person who would actually go in and inhabit a thing is a haunter. And that would be your Amityville horror, the bleeding walls, the notes on your bathroom mirror when you get out of the shower. Yeah, your your haunted car where you can see the face of the dead driver in the rearview mirror. That, yeah. Yeah, will-o'-the-wisps control, like, bursts of visible lights. They are probably the most, uh, well, not I wouldn't say aggressive, but they, they have, like, electricity or fire nimbus around them, uh, so they also have the the classic will-o'-wisp thing where they can make themselves show up as, like, a little thing of light and you want to follow them. Right. And then that leaves us with the last one, which is Puppet Masters, and those are ones that inhabit other people and basically control them for a while. So they're possessing entities. Yeah. And then after you choose those, and those are your Lament, I think? Uh, is that right? It's it, Well, no, that's your Shade. Yeah. That's your Shade. Shade is your class. Lament, Lament. is your is your race. Sort of. sort of, and it's it's not really a race. It just determines how it is that you are ghosty. Yeah, because you're not always a ghost. In fact, most of the time you're not a ghost. It's it's uh that's the big thing about Orpheus. Yeah, is rather than it being uh, like Wraith, where you are a ghost, the story really takes place with uh, the Orpheus group is a company that figures out how to uh, get people to essentially cross over. Uh, just, you know, astrally project or go into a chemical coma and get people to project into the ghost world and interact with ghosts. Yeah. So it really wants you to just be a human, although it does give you options for you can play as a ghost if you want to, someone who's already dead, uh, but we really want you to be a human because that's sort of what makes Orpheus unique. The concept, yeah. And especially because since you're working for a company, it's kind of hard to come up with rewards that are functional for a ghost. Yeah, which is... It's sort of weird. Like, you can... In the game it says if you're one of the humans and you end up dying on the job and becoming a ghost, you can stick around and help and do whatever. Because, you know, you might have unfinished business, whatever, you were on a job, or you feel some sort of loyalty to the company. But saying, I'm going to start my character as a ghost, unless you say... I am starting my character as a ghost who was a dead Orpheus agent to begin with. It seems really weird to be like, yeah, I was I was a mechanic and then I died and decided, eh, fuck it, let's go work for Orpheus. Don't worry, though. The chances of you playing as a mechanic who became a ghost are super low because there's no way a mechanic has an edgy enough background. <laughs> Maybe if you were like a, like a rape mechanic who worked in racist utopia or something, then you could... Because this, this game is steeped in 90s white wolf edginess. Well, it's any time you have a game that's like, we're for a mature audience. Every fourth word is prostitute. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we really want to try and push that this this isn't a game for babies. This isn't this isn't a kid for some twelve year olds imagination thing. No, this this game is all about like dark death and, and sex and yeah. Did you just finish watching The Crow? You'd like to role play this game, I bet. Oh yeah. So you know, he died in that movie. <laughs> so yeah. Uh so while it offers you the ability to be a ghost, the game really wants you to be human. And that's the most interesting part about it is that fish out of water weird experience where you're a dude 
going into a world that you shouldn't be in, and so on. Yeah, basically it's Ghostbusters, except that instead of having a proton pack, you astrally project and pretend... You kind of become Slimer. Yeah. You go, oh, I'm going to be Slimer today, and run around and see how many hot dogs I can get in my mouth, and then <laughs> and then the Orpheus group will pay me when they bring me out of my coma. Yay! Yeah. So, so that's the basic concept. So, so far we've picked... Some stats, which you do based on uh, your archetype. You get to that tells you archetype. You choose that. That's things like uh, bicycle messenger. Uh, sort of what you were, because and again, Orpheus found out that uh, the way you can astrally project is you have to have multiple near death experiences. Yeah. So that's part of where the edgy thing comes from. Is anyone who plays as a human in Orpheus has to have had a life where they were put into near-death experiences multiple times. Where they constantly almost died. And and the things that they have decided represent cl- uh, people who constantly almost die are hilarious. It's one of my favorite things. Archetypes basically represent what you were, and then the Orpheus group finds you and says, hey, come work for us, and we're one of those cool shadow companies where we've got a... You get an office with a half pipe in it. Um, that kind of... You know, that, that sort of... You saw that in the 90s a lot, where they'd pull guys off the street and give them ultra offices and... That kind of movie? That's what this is. Um, you get a cool, hot, blonde secretary and maybe another one, if that's your thing, and she's always <laughs> picking you up in a cool car, even though you're homeless. That's that's basically what, what you used to be. The things that they de- that they determine are likely to cause a lot of near-death experiences include things like uh, prostitutes, different prostitutes, abuse victim, bicycle messenger, which is my favorite, because bicycle messenger has... They all have these cool little edgy descriptions about how your life went. And all I can tell from the bicycle messenger is that you're playing as the world's shittiest bicycle messenger. Oh yeah, you're just really bad about yeah. getting out always, of traffic, always falling into giant pits, <laughs> getting hit by trucks. Uh. It's uh, apparently it's a way worse career than you would think. They also have things like soldier, doctor, uh, trainer, uh, animal kin, ranger type stuff, which I, I assume those people die constantly, almost die. Well, you. The thing is, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, we've got to come up with. Uh, 20. Ideas for yeah. how you, you can have a class where it's you face death constantly. So once you move past, alright, you're someone on the street or a gang member or a soldier or your typical sort of, you're always in a combat situation, they're like, alright, what are we left with? You're a deep sea diver? <laughs> you run out of oxygen a lot? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, and then eventually you get to bike messenger, and that's... that's <laughs> Like, you know what? I bet that career is probably dangerous. Let's just put that in there. You know, my cousin's a bike messenger, and he always has these stories about how he almost died. Let's put bike messenger in. Role-playing game designer. Yeah! Why not? And Oh, uh, this is another fun thing. Right before the archetype section, which again is how you determine what your stat spread is going to be. It kind of informs where you, how you choose your classes and stuff. So that's what this is. Uh, it, it's not just a, a role-playing aid, although it's that too. It also tells you like how many points to put in your social skills versus your mental skills, that kind of stuff. Uh, but one more thing about it is that it says if you're playing as one, you should check to make sure you're not triggering anyone else at the table. Which is so weird, because this is... Super pre-Tumblr, before the whole trigger warning thing, White Wolf was very sensitive about, okay, yes, an abuse survivor might be someone that has faced near-death experiences a lot. However, if your storyteller happens to be an abuse survivor, you probably don't want to do that. Or you could do it and tell them how lucky they are, because eventually they'll have a super sweet life of chasing ghosts around as a ghost. I mean, lucky them, right? Fucking bastard. 
But uh, no, it, it, and it specifically says if your storyteller, which is this game's DM, if your storyteller is an abuse survivor, then you probably shouldn't play as an abuse survivor. It doesn't mention the other players. I I, I assume fuck them. Well, yeah, it's a basic concept. Yeah. Also, I, I like walk it, it off, it, Nancy. It is, you know, <laughs> if your storyteller is a vet, don't be a soldier. <laughs> yeah. Although it specifically uses abuse survivor, but I like the idea that it's like, oh man, don't you mention bicycle messaging to me? I saw some things, man. <laughs> And some stuff. <laughs> oh man, I tried to give this letter to a dude in an office building. Changed my life. <laughs> so, okay, so so far, you pick your lament, your shade, your archetype, and then you also pick your nature. And nature is a white wolf tradition. It's, uh, it's stuff like daredevil, rebel. Uh, it is just how, it, it's mostly just an RP thing that occasionally will give you a benefit if you're playing to your demeanor. Right. And White Wolf's always had a big old list of these, and you kind of get used to seeing them. I'm used to them from Exalted, for example. Uh, there's a, a bunch that are useful and a bunch that I don't know why they... I guess they put them in there just so you can build very realistic NPCs. Uh, like like Conformist and Wretch and uh, just stuff like that, where it's like, well, how do you regain willpower and interact with the world? Oh, by being just a big bitch. I just... <laughs> I just shy away from everything and don't get into situations and agree with anything anyone tells me. Yeah, and I mean, they're there for... Completist's sake. Yeah, it's a a lot of, we need this for completion's sake and for NPCs. But there is always the option of like, okay, you know what, I made a haunter, he's a conformist, and he just likes being in buildings, he doesn't want to deal with people, and anytime someone's like, go haunt that car, he's like, okay. Okay, I'll go, well, is that in a building? Yeah, so, you yeah. know, I, I can see someone trying to use one of the weirder ones, but they're definitely corner case. Yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's, it's a fun, White Wolf never just gives you the parts you need to play. It loves to give you everything you might need. That's, that's, uh, it's just like when we were talking about Prime Directive, where it's like, okay, there's a list of ranks that, that your character <laughs> and your bullshit Prime team can be. And I'm sorry, I'm triggering you right now. I, I know. <laughs> Trigger warning, Prime Directive. <laughs> There's a little shitty list of ranks that specifically Prime teams can be. That doesn't stop the book from going all the way from Private to fucking Five Star Ultra Admiral. Uh, because it's a nerd writing this book, and damn if he's not going to complete the whole thing. Well, yeah. yeah. Even, if, even if that's something you can't get, while you're writing it out, you're like, well, I'm, al- I'm already here, I may as well. So that's probably why they're in there. So you choose your nature... And then you choose your demeanor, which is a special nature that only ghosts have, which is the same thing. It's just more of that. That one informs how much extra substats you get. It tells you how much to add to your vitality and your willpower and your spite rate. Or, no, sorry, vitality. Yeah, vitality, willpower, and spite ratings. Let's talk about those real quick. Vit- yeah. Vitality is your... It, that is your health, your HP for ghosts. Yeah, it's but it's a lot more than that, because you also spend it for powering your abilities... Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of... It's like of, the mana and the HP at the same time. Yeah, it's it's sort of odd. It is... They use a lot of stats to kind of double dip in this. Yeah. So willpower is, again, one of those stats where it's like, this represents uh your willpower, how much force of personality you have. You can spend willpower to get successes on things. Because you just really want it that bad. Which has always been one of my least favorite things about White Wolf. Because it's supposed to be one of those games that's heavy on role-playing and light on combat. But everyone's got like eight willpower. Which means during the eight dice rolls you're going to make during this game, you basically have an auto-success for all of them. <laughs> Plus it's a cycling mechanic. So you almost never dip below like six. See, and at least with, with Orpheus, uh, you can spend... In this way you can spend willpower to get vitality back. So you're 
through sheer force oh, yeah, of yeah. will. You have to. Yeah. It's you, neat. If you die, you just it just pumps HP back into your system automatically. Yeah. You can't die as long as you have any willpower points. Yeah. Yeah, your character is far too stubborn to die. That's actually kind of neat. I like that. Yeah. Um, honestly, vitality doesn't bother me. The, the well, we, we can probably talk about white wolf mechanics and how, how they how they grump me up a little later. But but, <laughs> but for now, uh, let's let's stick to this. Vitality covers your ability to activate your abilities. Yep. Uh, your abilities include things like haunts or no, I'm sorry, horrors. Yes. Your horrors are your basic ghost power. Ghost power, depending yeah. on what you like. What we were talking about with like the will o' wisp making people follow you, or the banshee uh, affecting people's emotions. You all have horrors, which are your powers. Yes, and so like a banshee will have a whale that can control people's minds, that sort of thing, uh, or scare people. That it, yeah. it's like that. The horrors are your your ghost powers. You're used to seeing ghosts with powers because you've seen movies, so you know what these are. Uh, and then spite. Is the degree to which you are angry tainted. tainted? Okay, it's kind of when you become an angrier and angrier ghost because you're mad at your situation or because you're you're haunting all the time, uh, you know, haunting like wandering around with chains and shaking yeah. them at at, uh, at Cratchit or Scrooge. Uh, <laughs> then, then you gain spite, and spite is a rating that controls how. It's almost like a loss of control mechanic. I think when you get to maximum spite, you don't lose control, but at that point, you're basically more demony than ghosty. Well, you get uh, the the interesting thing is your spite can be used for beneficial things. You, yeah, can, you can use power spite stuff with it. to give yeah. yourself more vitality. Uh, you can do uh, different things with, uh, like if you've got a high spite rating, you'll get these stains on your soul. And the stain will give you some power, so maybe the stain is you've got weird claws. Okay, so because you've got claws, because your soul has been stained with spite, you've got extra damage on your unarmed attacks. However, it also means trying to do anything with, like, fine motor skill, typing anything, or trying to, like, craft something or whatever is all fucked up because you've got these... Claws. I think one of my favorite things about reading the haunt section there, or this, uh, what are those called? The stains. The stain section. I'm gonna keep make, messing up what these things are called because they're all just they're all just called stuff. They're ghosts. All just words. Have. Yeah, they're all just words. Ghosts that describe ghosts. So okay, stains. Uh, one of them is written by someone who clearly watched Beetlejuice that day because it's <laughs> it's uh your face has been kind of pulled tight so that you have a hawk beak, and that you can use that to sort of stab people, but it's real hard to talk. Yeah. It's like, all right, you just watched Beetlejuice when you wrote that. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so. So Spite is interesting in that way. And the other cool thing with Spite is, so when you're using a horror, one of your special powers, mm -hmm. uh, it does whatever. So let's say you're a haunter. You're in a haunted house. You're haunting this building. Haunt, haunt, haunt. Woo, woo. So you want to scare the resident out. So you go ahead and you go, I'm going to write a message on the window that says, get out. Now, if your spite rating is high enough, it changes the special effects of your powers. So as normally, it would just be this ectoplasmic thing shows up on the mirror or whatever and says, get out. Now it's dripping blood. So you, it just gives more horror effects to your horrors. Oh. Now, now structurally, it's not necessarily a bad thing to play as a high spite character, but it's potentially dangerous because if you reach maximum spite, 
You become a specter. Which is the bad guy ghost. You game. just sort of become an NPC at that Which point. is a shame, because when you hear that, when you think, oh my gosh, okay, my choices are to write Get Out in the dust on a dusty old mirror, or to write cool, dripping blood Get Out backwards when read through a nearby mirror, you think, oh, that one's awesome, I'm doing that one. <laughs> well, no, you, you don't want to. That's that's what your character doesn't want to do. Your character wants to be a good ghost. Well, Casper it up. Again, <laughs> it's it's only if your spite happens to reach the max Yes, yeah, so you kind of want to surf in that mid-range of spite so you can actually do cool ghost things. Oh, yeah, you, you want to be a super spooky, awesome ghost, but you also don't want to just lose your character. Okay, so so far we've covered willpower, vitality. Uh, we've kind of we got a little bit into vitality, which again represents your hit points. You take vitality damage if something hits you. You can spend vitality to activate your powers. You can give vitality to your party, which in this game is not called a party because that word would scare people. Instead, it's called a crucible. Well, yeah, so that is another White Wolf thing has a different name for party in every game. Yes. So So you've got a coterie, or you've got a circle, circle, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got all of these different ways to say your party. You've got a bunch of different ways to say class, but whatever. Yeah, so it's a crucible. But you can give vitality to other people in your crucible uh, just by touching them or by being within line of sight of them if you want. You can also forcibly steal vitality from things. You can vampire some spite, <laughs> some spite out or vitality out of people, although it raises your spite. Oh, and we didn't talk about we, we we mentioned laments, but we didn't talk about them. There are four laments. Laments are the sort of race of the game. Yeah. Now there, here's the basics. I'll just run them through. One of them is you can just astrally project. You can just kind of pop out of your body. You are some sort of yogi. You can just kind of go into a meditative trance. One of them is wishes he was that, but is not, and instead has to be put into a chemically induced freezing cryocoma, and then he becomes a cool ghost for a while. Yeah. Then there's one that's just a dead guy. You are just a ghost. And then there's one that's just a dead special type of drug abuser, because the game has a drug called Pigment. Which is part of the... Uh, the overall setting is there's a designer drug out there that is super addictive, and it is called pigment. And if you were a pigment addict and you die, instead of becoming a regular ghost, you become a hue. H-U-E. You don't become hue. Yeah. Yeah. You become a hue because pigment and hues and lol. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Color. So, uh, and pigment is interesting for the setting because pigment users, it has a... Weird psychedelic effect, and people say they see a bunch of weird things, and really, pigment is, it allows people who are on this drug to see dead people. Right. So whoever wrote that section probably went on to write John Dies at the End later. Because <laughs> I just remembered how old this game is, and I was I was going to accuse them of ripping it off. But no, th- <laughs> that would not add up. Okay, so uh, so basically there's a drug that lets you see ghosts but makes you think you're crazy, and when you die you become a hue, which is a weird ghost. You're kind of a shitty ghost. Uh, the drug itself stains your very soul. Yeah. And so uh, the actual, the hue, this race, is a ghost that can never get above a 7 in vitality. Which normally goes to 10. So you're very limited in how high your vitality go. Yeah, and uh, also other people can pump temporarily pump their vitality above 10 through various effects, but Hughes, stuck at 7. That's as high can as they can go. never get above whatever your maximum is. Yeah. And they also start with a higher spite rating, and... They can control their spite more efficiently. I yeah, think. they're yeah. better at controlling spite, but again, it's just your soul has been stained through the use of this drug... Because it is some weird drug that I know not only affects your body, but affects your very soul. 
So one of the things I was doing right before we started is I was rereading through the section on vitality and what it does. And there's a point where it tells you about how you can freely transfer it to other people within your crucible. Uh, and also, it says that your crucible can pull their vitality to create additional ghosts. It says huh. they can get huh. them above being just blips, which I, which is a kind of glossary term for a, kind of a, a specter, like a light... A, well, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, what is this? It's a ghost that is continually doing the same thing. So it's one yeah. of those ghosts that doesn't have autonomy. the free will, the yeah. free will, the autonomy, who's just like, this ghost died being a maid, and occasionally people see the ghost maid cleaning up the house. So that's a blip. Yeah, that would yeah. be a blip. Well, they give you the capacity as a crucible to pool all your S your uh, vitality and actually spend willpower, permanent willpower, which you have to rebuy through XP, to create ghosts. And it doesn't mention how this works. It doesn't tell you if you have to kill someone so that there's a nearby ghost to be created. Well, I think it's uh trying to give... Is it trying to give a blip actual... Maybe that's it. Like, you can take a blip and make... Because it says you can create blips. And I was like, that's weird. It seems like those are made out of dead people. You can't just make them from nothing. But then, of course, because it's White Wolf, it's like, oh, you can use this to create an ally or, like, a librarian to work in your library. Or a sex slave. Or a regular slave. <laughs> or a thrall. You know, because like, oh, we're yeah. into that. Yeah, that's the sort of thing you need to do with your player character party is, oh, man, uh, what are we doing this week? Oh, I'd like to spend some of my permanent character investments on building a sex slave for Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, it's just the White Wolf thing. Of, like, with vampires, you could spend some of your blood, and your blood is addictive, so you get a thrall. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, I decided to make this dude my thrall with my sex blood, and now he's my bitch. And you're like, oh, great. It's just White Wolf. You just you just ignore it. Or, these days, they, they promise not to put it in their books anymore, and then they kind of do, and then people fight with them about it. That's, <laughs> that's the saga of White Wolf, is that they keep accidentally putting their goofy sex nonsense in there. And depending on the way the world is currently acting, everyone either embraces it and then doesn't use it in play, or they fight about it till it's gone in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so far we've covered shade, lament, nature, demeanor, and archetype. And I think that's all the basics you need to create a, a character, but then you get into your, you know, skills. Oh yeah, you've got your various abilities and those cover your general things. You've got, you know, driving and... Yeah. Melee and computers and so and on. And if you've, if you've never ever played a White Wolf game of any kind before, here's the ultra basic rundown. The whole game is based around D10s. You look for successes. A success is, uh, determined by rolling a 7 or higher on a D10. No. That is only for Exalted. Oh. They changed that up with the old world of darkness. Oh. And so on in their games. Uh, it's difficulty. The difficulty of what it is. Oh, yeah, right, right. Is the right. target number. So, uh, in sort of the later games, they made it so that you're always trying to roll a seven or better, and difficulty is just how many successes you need. In this, it was much more, uh, the difficulty is what you needed to roll on the D10. So right, if so it if was difficulty, difficulty five four, or four, it yeah. was real easy. Yeah, because all you had to do is roll a four or higher, and, and, and on, on any number of you out of your dice pool. To generate your dice pool, you take your relevant attribute, which would be strength, con, dex, one Whatever. of those, and add it to the ability that you're using. Although this game separates abilities up into, like, abilities and talents and skills, and it's, it's kind of weird because you can find similar ones in all three. So let's just take one. Let's say you want to hack a computer. You would take your intelligence which was probably like a three dot, let's say, because it ranges from one to five, where one is... Yeah, so you're you're above guy. average. Yeah, you're above average. So one is dumb guy, two is normal, five is ultra genius. Yeah. 
you add that three dot three dots becomes three dice. Add that to the number of dots worth of dice from your computer skill. So let's say you've got three in that too because you are a talented dude with a computer. Right. So then you roll six dice and you add any other dice or subtract any other dice that that the situation requires. You roll six dice, and if the target is five, then you need to roll a five on one of those six dice, or yeah. five of those six dice. Is it just one of them? Just one. Just one. So okay. you're looking, it's the same way as anything else works. It just changes what the number you're looking for for successes. Oh, that is really dumb. Now, the number of successes you get will say how awesome you did. Okay. And they have a rule, which is if you've got a number of dice equal to or greater than whatever the difficulty is, you can just say, you know what, I'll take take a success on it. Uh, you can't do it in combat, obviously. But if it's like, okay, you know what? I've got a four intelligence. I've got a four in computers. And it's difficulty six to do this. You know what? I'm so good at computers and hacking. I'm just going to say I get a success. I have more dice than the difficulty is. Okay. that's, that's Now, reasonable. you don't get the extra successes that you might from rolling, but you can just sort of move play along. Right, which is good. Although, and the danger of rolling is they also included the the, ones. the negatives. Yeah. So if you roll and let's say it's difficulty eight. So you need eights to do this. It's hard. You roll and, oh, hey, you got two successes. However, you also rolled two ones showed up. Every one removes a success. Yeah. And if you didn't roll any successes and got a one, you just botched and fucked everything up. Right, so this game can be fairly dangerous to actually try to do anything. Now, that's that mechanic there where you can just say, oh, I overpower this by just being better at it than the target difficulty, that's a good mechanic, but keep in mind when you're building that kind of thing for play, you don't want to force rolls all the time just so that you can get that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if, you're, if your goal is like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up my computer and check my email for the day, probably don't need to roll for that. No. Yeah. But, but even then, if you're so, like, you're... A super genius with a five in intelligence and a five in hacking, and you're just the best ever. And he's like, can you get past the firewall at the library? You're like, yes, I can. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> firewall at the library. Finally, I can browse porn as a ghost. Ooh, ghost porn. Oh, boy. Okay. So those are your abilities, and you've also, you add your attributes to those, and that generates your ability to figure yeah. out how much difficulty something requires. Uh... This game's got a lot of weird abilities. Uh, it's got that kind of early White Wolf problem where the abilities are vaguely edgy and not especially well-defined. I spent a good ten minutes yesterday trying to figure out the actual difference between Intrigue, the ability, and Subterfuge, the ability. And as far as I can tell, one of them is lying to your friends and the other one is kind of lying to your enemies or something. It's, 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 it, it's, like I, I kind of... I have no idea... What the difference would be, but I'm sure there's something. I'm sure, they I'm came sure there up is. With but, some but the thing is that White Wolf was big on splat books during this era, and they would always add more abilities in them, and it, and those abilities would always just be reskinned versions of abilities that already existed. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure there's a big difference between intrigue or subterfuge. But let's be honest: if you've got one, you're going to be able to talk your storyteller into it, accepting it for the other one's role. Oh, probably. And that was again the problem with White Wolf: the the splats came out, and so. It wasn't enough to have a drive skill, you had to have, like, a boating skill, and you... It wasn't enough to have computers as a skill, hacking had to be its own separate thing. Well, yeah, and then they eventually separated out Linux from, from Mac. <laughs> it, I mean, this was set in the 90s, so there was a whole skill for Netscape Navigator. 
Yeah, the 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 game is very much uh based on goofy crap and the the different abilities that you can use you probably will just be able to go, look, I took some points in intrigue. I don't have points in subterfuge. Will you please just let me sub in? Or give me half of the skill that I can roll. Don't be a dick, Jerry. <laughs> this is primarily aimed at Dan. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sorry. It is neither subterfuge nor intrigue. I'm afraid that you needed to take some skill points in chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the skullduggery skill. It's immediately adjacent to flim flam in the book. <laughs> okay, uh... so... Another thing that you get to choose when you're building your character is your backgrounds. And these are, again, ranging from one to five dot, and they represent uh, things you bring with you as the game begins. They're, they're resources upon which you can draw that the game had when you started. Uh, these exist in most of the settings as well. They include things like mentor, uh, followers, things like power over the community, things along that lo- those lines, contacts. Yeah. So if you've got a three-dot mentor, then you've got a guy who is relatively well invested in your well-being and can probably teach you some skills. Yeah. If you've uh, got a five-dot artifact, then you own, you know, a rune blade of significant power. Basically, and the way the artifacts in this work is the only where the only place artifacts exists is with ghosts. So this is something that was an item of such importance to the people that owned it or anyone else that it crossed over as an item into the other world. So you know, a one-dot thing would just be, this was this dude's favorite tie or something. or something. Yeah, okay. It would just be a goofy little good luck charm. Uh, something that was five would be like, this is an actually internationally known thing that ended up getting destroyed, and so when it got destroyed, it went over. I have the ghost of the Magna Carta! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, one of the, This is one of my least favorite things about White Wolf, but Orpheus, I've got to be honest, did it right. Uh, in Exalted First Edition, which is the first <laughs> White Wolf book I read, there were all these cool backgrounds, and they would always go from one to five dot, and it was a bell curve. And it's not supposed to be. You're supposed to say five dots awesome, three dots good, one dot kind of meh. But it was always like, okay, let's just take Mentor, because that's the best one. A one dot Mentor is some guy you don't really know who's kind of like your distant uncle or something. And he's not very good. And he's not very good. He can't really teach you anything. He doesn't really know you. A three dot Mentor is a Mentor. It's some guy who can probably teach you some skills. He's maybe a decent martial artist or something. A five dot Mentor in Old Exalted is like the Super world's, world's greatest martial artist who does not have time for you or remember who you are. Yeah. So that's what, that's what, that, like, you get to above three dots, and it starts to suck more. And it's, but, it's sort of the same thing with, like, influence of, okay, one dot, you might be able to talk your way into getting a better seat at a restaurant or get into a bar. Three dot, okay, you're a locally known celebrity, maybe you've got a really popular YouTube station. Five dot, you're well known by everyone and nobody likes you and everyone's out to get you now. And you're yeah. like, oh good. Yeah, there was one there was a nation building one in Exalted where like one dot you were like the local mayor of a city and at five dots it actually said you're probably at war right now. Yeah. People are trying to actively kill you. I was like, well, why would I take that? <laughs> oh, let's take four dots, thank you. Yeah. So this game does it right. A mentor, for example, a one dot mentor is is just a dude who maybe knows a couple things. Where a five dot mentor is significantly invested in you, as opposed to not again not knowing who you are because they're too important to care. Yeah, the dots actually represent the personal desire to see you succeed. So yeah. even beyond just I can train you in things, he's like, 
I want to give you advice. I want to, you know, make sure you go down the right path and so on. There's always been kind of a visible power disparity when it comes to these backgrounds. For example, items, in Exalted in particular, it's like, well, I'll take five dots of artifact because I need a bunch of magic weapons and junk all over me. Yeah. Where contacts is, you know, five guys. Yeah. Especially in this one. In this one, a one dot in contacts means you know a guy. A five dots in contact means you know five guys. Oh, sweet. I know a sweet burger joint. Eh, it's a middling burger joint. Fuck you, it's delicious. <laughs> uh, and, and the problem with that is they also have one of the backgrounds is you can have a uh, detective's license. Yeah, yeah. And the detective's license is, for every point in there, it just lowers the difficulty of finding things out. So if you have five dots in having a detective license, you are Sherlock Holmes... Even something that's like difficulty 10 goes down to difficulty 5, it becomes super easy. You are all about finding out information. However, if you have five dots in contacts, you just know five guys and maybe they might know something, but maybe not. Yeah. You know what else I like is under life insurance policy, which is one of the backgrounds you can have. Yeah. Uh, you, you can be insured by the Orpheus group for various reasons. If you die, then a whole bunch of cool things happen. What I like is, that, again, we talked about this a little earlier about how this is one of those games about how a super office building comes and contacts you and puts you in a position where you're always wearing a suit and drinking, like, uh, <laughs> antique cocktails with supermodels. That's basically the job they suddenly offer you. With the life insurance policy, it mentions that even if you have a basic life insurance policy, it covers two full-service massages per week. Yeah. Right. I Because my life insurance policy that I get through my, my crappy museum job comes with a lot of massages. Hey, man, you are astrally projecting to fight the dead, so, you know, fuck you. Oh, that's a good point. I do need a lot of massages for my astral form. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, you got me there. So, uh... uh it also, five dots just gets you more massages and more money when you die. Well, and you you get more vacation, vacation time. time. Oh, perfect! <laughs> this is my my favorite thing. Is what does this give me? Uh, more time where your character isn't involved in the game. Oh, that's that's good. Can we go on? Uh, can we go on an adventure right now? Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry's on vacation. He's in Tahiti. Oh, sweet. <laughs> We're gonna do the Brady Bunch goes to Hawaii as an Orpheus game. <laughs> We're just gonna go fuck up his vacation. <laughs> We're gonna show up at his fucking grass hut and be like, "I'm haunting your grass hut." <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Okay. So, so those are your backgrounds. Um, once you've got yourself a nicely con- assembled character with some skills and some gear and the power and the ability to become a ghost and various ghost powers. Then you go off as a crucible and you deal with problems that the Orpheus group puts forward. Now, I would like to mention real quick, uh, you had mentioned this before with the crucible, mm-hmm. uh, you can share vitality and mm-hmm. so on. This is really interesting for the, uh, the white wolf because normally you have a coterie or a circle or whatever, but it's mostly just, this is your party. We just gave a name to it, but your crucible actually matters because like you said, you can do, uh, vitality sharing. But you also have uh, all of the different horrors, like the Banshee Whale, Haunting, all that stuff, have secondary effects that you can use to help other people when they're using powers. So let's say I'm a poltergeist, and I'm trying to huck a thing at a dude. Okay, well, my buddy the Will-O-Wisp decides he's just going to pour raw energy into what I'm doing, and he just gives me an extra, like, two vitality to spend on this ability. So, in that way, it made it so that your circle really wanted to work together. It made an in-game reason to RP a tight group. Which is awesome, and I, I, I am always a big fan of that. 
Uh, fourth edition is a, fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons is an example of where all the characters are built around comboing with each other. Like you have this guy activate this and it activates this for this guy and so on, and it's fun. Uh, there are situations where I'm not a huge fan of this. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. It, it happens in, in Dungeons and Dragons. It, it could happen here, which is where your players eventually math out who's got the best way to hit something, and from that point forward, everyone's just pumping energy into that one guy's abilities. And, and the thing is, with with that type of thing, you go, okay. What are you fighting? You're fighting a ghost. Alright, we have a Will-O-Wisp. He can shoot fire at ghosts. Well, he's probably going to do the most damage. Great. So we'll have the Poltergeist and the whoever just pump as much of their vitality into him as possible. Which makes sense. The same way that, alright, uh, our mission in this one is to scare people out of the house. So we're going to give all of our vitality to the Banshee and the Haunter so that they can make people afraid and we can do spooky effects. Well, that just turns the game into a peg-hole puzzle. Like, that's Final Fantasy X type stuff, where it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, what's, what's out there? Well, we got a flying thing and an armor thing and a floaty energy thing. Oh, well, then I need the sword guy and the wizard lady and the dude with the water polo ball. Like, that's where, it's not like it's the worst thing ever. I mean, we're, we're describing this in very base situations. I, I, I just always see that potential for abuse when it comes to kind of pumping each other's mechanics is that eventually you'll math out what's most likely and just always do that. Well, the, Again, so, I think the thing is, it always depends on the situation. Yeah, and the party. The players, even. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a situation where it's, uh, we need to get people out of this house. Let's say no one's playing a haunter. You can't do that. Yeah. All right, well, if you've got a puppet master, maybe you go, all right, we're going to make him haunt the dude's kid, and we're going to make a really creepy child, and then we'll have the banshee do yelling stuff, and then the poltergeist can move things around, and... Whatever your stated mission is, and people will hire the Orpheus group to do stuff. Whether right. it's, we need you to get rid of the ghosts in this house because they're haunting it, or we need you to scare someone out of this property because we're trying to get them to sell this building so we can develop a mini-mall, or whatever it happens to be. Right, and the Orpheus group, by the way, is one of those consultant firms that doesn't tell you... They don't want you to know that they have ghosts. That's not the point. They just They just accomplish tasks... Well, the, and the thing is, they're the good guys of this. There is another, uh, group that's like Orpheus Group that is sort of the villain version of them. Right. So you've got Orpheus Group, and they try to do things sort of above board. Uh, they, Although they make a constant stream of references to how they can, like, cheat at stock markets and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. They, they usually try to stay on the straight and narrow, whereas the comp, the competitor, uh, Terrell and Squib, is the group that is like, we only have super high-paying, like, we get paid by government officials and rock stars and the elite of the elite, but they all do, like, we don't ask any questions, whatever it is, we will, like, it's implied that they'll just murder people, they don't even give a fuck, and it's also sort of implied that they're probably being bankrolled by specters and that they're probably evil. Spectres, once again, are uh, evil ghosts. They're ghosts that have their spite rating all the way cranked up, and so they just spend all their time being evil. What are the monsters in this game? Like the Monsters are spectres. Spectres, which come in a variety of formats. And, and it's mostly how you died or what you were. So there's something like, there's a Lost Boy. The Lost Boy is, if you were a child that died... Uh, whether it was, you know, you died on the street, or of starvation, or abuse, as or As long something. as it happened in Santa Carla. <laughs> so if you're, 
uh, a kid that dies and it's something horrific, essentially, then you might come back as a lost boy. And this is a creepy ghost uh, child. If you died and your name was Cory. Oh, but he did die. Oh, that's oh, so that's sad. That's bad that I said that. <laughs> uh, and then there's things like uh, Jasons, and they give them horror they movie horror names. movie trope names. Yeah. So you've got like Reapers, and you've got Jasons, and a Jason is someone that is a very powerful possessing entity that will take someone over and then just start killing people. And because the possessing entity is in there and driving them. Uh, like Jason, if you stab whatever he's possessing, he's like, I don't care, you stabbed me in the chest, but uh, it's not the guy who's in charge, I'm still just moving his body as a spirit, so you get that sort of implacable foe thing, so that's where you get the name Right, from. and presumably they also come with off-screen teleportation. It's weird that the game doesn't have a Freddy. Uh, well, and this is the thing, uh, they made this game... Oh, right. Uh, ...very uh, enclosed... Most of the other games, regardless of whether it's White Wolf or not, most games make a setting and then make a bunch of splat books for it. So, you know, whether you're D&D with your hojillion different splat books, or even just a uh, vampire with splat books that mostly cover uh, different settings, so you can have, like, Detroit by night and stuff like that. Uh, this had a very standard... Uh, plot to it. Mm. So you could have the first five books were the only five books that ever came out for Orpheus, and they were all uh, the different plot settings. So it had a storyline to it, and when it finished, they were done. And so the uh, the different splat books would come out with different uh, ghosts as well. Mm. So you had one that was kind of like Pennywise the Clown from It that was all about trying to lure children into things and murder them and then created Lost Boys from that. And so if you ever found the den of whatever this ghost was, they would usually have an entourage of these children that they had murdered. And so... And then they the turn splat into books. a turtle and a spider, and you'd yeah. have to have an underage orgy. <laughs> so they they came out with more. There were sort of a baseline, like five or six specters okay. in this book. And then they came out with more in the subsequent ones. So they had the, so in future books, you would get your Chuckies and your Pinheads. Yeah, you'd get more stuff like that. Yeah, so you'd get, okay, what is this? It's a haunter... That specifically haunts dolls, and right. so you get your creepy doll trope. Uh, you get all of your various horror movie things. They're like, alright, we watched a bunch of horror movies and decided, how can we do this? Sure. So, this game seems like it's actually a reasonably playable game. You've got some interesting ghost mechanics, you've got some interesting ghosts to fight. It's uh, fairly self-contained, which I always like in a game. I like a game that's got a, a clear delineated setting, because there's less impetus to just play murder hobos. Yeah, and they say in this as well that uh, Orpheus knows nothing of the rest of the world of darkness, and they know about ghosts, but they don't know about vampires, they don't know about changelings they or werewolves. They know vampires. So they're like, don't make this game about, like, okay, you're an Orpheus agent, and you're haunting a place, and there's a salubri in this place, and he's 
commanding their Zamitsi to go... Okay, stop it. We don't care about your vampire clans. I don't even know what the fuck those words meant. I think Zamitsi are the ones that look like self-made Klingons, right? Is that... <laughs> they, they are the ones with fleshcraft. And this... I, I'm not uh, surprised you don't know Salubri, because they are a splat book clan that only existed in the Dark Ages. That doesn't matter. I have never cracked a vampire book. <laughs> it's not true. Actually, when we were researching games to review in the future, I found a copy of the Guide to Vampire LARPing. Like the official White yes, Wolf Guide to... Theater of the Mind. Yeah, Theater of the Mind, and, and flipped through that a little bit. But it was so insufferable that I just put it back down. Well, yeah... LARPing with uh, White Wolf is pretty insufferable. Also, can you imagine LARPing with White Wolf where you'd need a big old hardcover 300-page book telling you how to do it? Because <laughs> as far as I can tell, LARPing primarily concerns sitting around in a rec room at a dorm. And, and uh, just, just rock, kinda, paper, scissoring. Well, if you even get to that, mostly it's just standing around. The, the couple LARPs I've seen are just people sort of having arguments about in-character, like... Oh, well, like it's all it, just super role-play, and yeah. then if you need to make a, like... I'm attacking, or I need to try yeah. to do with his power. It feels very fandomy every time I look at it. Cause <laughs> it's just like, well, my character would never do that because, because of course he was raised by Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, so LARPing, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and move on to the uh, most and least favorites. Oh sure, yeah. Okay, why don't you go first? Because this is really more your game. Uh, well, my most favorite is gonna be the setting. Just. I love, this is, this Orpheus is my one that got away. I bought the main book for this. I bought the first few splats for it. I really wanted to run this. I love horror movies. I love horror genre in general for things. Uh, and the setting for this was so much fun that I, I never got the chance to run it, but I absolutely I'm so sad that I never got to. Uh, so the setting for this is what I fell in love with. The the whole fish out of water thing with humans treading where they shouldn't go. You've got all the awesome special effects between having high spite rating or the stains or the specters and all of these different ways to do creepy settings or horrific things that come out of the walls to get you. It was I just absolutely love that. All right. And your least favorite thing? Uh, least favorite thing is that it had a lot of baggage from the old world of darkness. Mm. Uh, it was towards the tail end, one of the last things that came out in the old world of darkness. So it did feel a little more modern. Uh, not quite as much as exalted, but it, it did feel a little more together. Hmm. Uh, but still, things like ones, subtracting successes, things like that, it just, it really felt like, uh, a very, a little, a little too punishing, I feel. His old world of darkness was very punishing. Yeah. For if you didn't roll well, you could really fuck up. Right, which swung the other way in the other, in, in uh, New World of Darkness. Or, well, yeah, where you yeah. just sort of don't ever fail. Okay, so I'm going to say my favorite thing about this game is the character creation. I feel like it walks you right down a path where you start with nothing and end up with a character that's got a very solid set of, uh, of mechanics. There's a lot of things you choose when you're picking when you're picking this game. You choose two different types of, of uh, personality that you're going to have kind of counterplaying off mm -hmm. each other. You choose your, your semi-race and your semi-class and what you were in life and 
what you brought with you as uh, what you are now. It's it's an interesting set of, of tools to give you a full, fully fleshed out character to begin play. And I like that. So I'm going to give it that. I like games where character mechanic or character creation is a good process that guides you through and, and doesn't have any traps. Now, this game is probably going to have traps because it's old world of darkness and <laughs> White Wolf was always about using a different mechanic for character creation than it was for character advancement during the game. So you would know early on that it was way cheaper to buy skills during character creation than it was during advancement and so people could could cheat more or less. Uh anyway, I like I still like it. I like that this game gives you a good fleshed out character by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh least favorite thing I've talked about a bit. Uh if this was New World of Darkness, I'd be going into how it's impossible to ever fail at a roll. Because there's so many different things you can do to ensure that you succeed. But uh, in this game, my least favorite thing is going to be the vocabulary. <laughs> I, I just can't get... I, I, every time I open the book and start reading through it, I'm just like, okay, so my lament is from haunting to the shade of my hue that pigments are horror-themed <laughs> with, the, with the specter of a Jason. What? How come none of these are just... None of... It, it, we got into a little bit about the whole GNS theory and the gamer narrative simulationist. This book is so up the simulationist creek, where <laughs> where every every word is designed to keep you happily ensconced in kind of your fictive nar- uh, headspace. Well, yeah, everything that you call it is what the characters in the actual game call it. Yeah. So a person that works for Orpheus would actually call someone that was a haunter, they would call that their shade. Right. And, and I... You know, I understand that, and I can kind of appreciate it, Like, but uh, by the same token, whenever I sit down to play a game, I like knowing that I'm sitting down to play a game. I don't like pretending I'm not. <laughs> uh, it, I, don't know, I, I don't know if that came from, like, in the mid-90s when role-playing games were so not cool that you had to convince yourself you were doing something else, uh. Uh, but I, I like knowing when someone asks me to a, a rule-related question, I like knowing that they're asking me a rule-related question and not just asking me a random collection of ghost-related word salad. <laughs> Okay. So, there's that. Would you play this game? I don't even need to ask. Oh, God, I want to play this game. It is still... I want to get the last two Splat books, and I want to run this at some point. I would totally play this game. Uh, I've never played Old White Wolf. or Yeah, I've never played Old World of Darkness. I've never played Old White Wolf. I'd like to see it, just for completest sake. Played the hell out of Exalted, and... and of course, we're nerdy enough that we actually play in a Rifts camp, a Palladium Rifts campaign that was converted to D10. Yeah. Just cause. Cause that's well, way better than Palladium. Palladium. Yeah, and you can convert Palladium to anything and be going in the right track. Yeah, seriously, the GURPS Palladium is probably better than the Palladium system. Right, okay. So, we both agreed this game is good. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is a really good game. Uh, this is a, gr- a welcome breath of fresh air from Prime Directive. Oh god, seriously, going from Prime Directive to this, is just like someone shoving shit down your throat and then being like, "I'm I'm so sorry. Here's a seven course meal that's delicious." Yeah, and yeah. two massages, also some vacation time. Yeah, and it, unfortunately, it does pack the shit down your throat. We're never going to get rid of Prime. Directive. Oh no, it's, it's still in there it's, forever. It's, 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 it's a part of me now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, this month we're going to be reviewing another horror game to keep Horrortoberfest alive. Yep. We have yet to decide what it is. It's probably going to be going back to the Palladium Well and hitting Beyond the Supernatural. but Possibly. But who knows? We'll come up with something and let you know when we've got it. And also, stay tuned to the System Mastery website, systemmasterypodcast.com. If you haven't already, I will be putting up my uh, Horrortoberfest reviews. I'll review one horror movie a day, every day of October. Uh, I'll be having different themes for the week's. 
So if you want to check out certain types of horror movies, you can also just check out the themed week. And I am a huge movie curmudgeon, and I hate most movies, so I'm not going to do that, because it would just be a bunch of one-word reviews. This is balls. That's way too many words. Balls will do. (laughs) I know that balls will do. (laughs) Balls will always do. (laughs) Okay, so as always, uh, if you like our podcast, check us out at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Check out John's Afterthought videos, also hosted at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Look for our page, System Mastery, at Facebook. Check our Twitter, at System Mastery. Or just email us at systemmastery at gmail.com. And thank you very much for listening. John, have a wonderful day. Yes, and a spooky day. Oh, I forgot. It's Horrortoberfest. Spooky. And an, and an extra spookalicious haunted Halloween to you, too. Too spooky. <laughs>